It's now time for Talkin' Boxing with Billy C. It began as a podcast, went live on the net, and transformed into a full-blown empire. It's the only daily boxing talk show on the planet, hosted by the only guy with the balls to do it. Many have stepped into the ring. Many have tried to take the belt. And one by one, they've fallen. Another victim of the undisputed heavyweight champion of Boxing Talk Radio. Talking Boxing with Billy C is on now. My style is impetuous, my defense is impregnable, and I'm just ferocious, I want your heart. Coming to you live from the Billy C. Studios in Lake George, New York. I'm Bill Calagero, and it's time for the Billy C. Show. Good morning, good day, good evening. Whenever you're listening, whenever you're doing, I hope you're doing all right. Today's show is being brought to us in part by Sal's Neighborhood Pizzeria, an Italian restaurant located on beautiful St. Simons Island in Georgia. Check out his website, www.salsneighborhoodpizzeria.com. We'll give my man a call, 912 268 2328-912-268-2328. Find out why I go all the way to St. Simon's for an authentic Italian meal. And speaking of St. Simon's, we want you to join us for our next uh, Billy C. Boxing event. Well, it, you know what? It may not be the next one because we're planning on doing uh, uh, something else. But this, and, and before this, but this is our Billy C. Boxing get-together event. Our next one um, in uh, on St. Simon's. September 13th, 14th, and 15th, uh, we are going to have, uh, yeah, yeah, you got it right, three days of activities. We're going to have a meet and greet with some former world champions and some other celebrities. Uh, also, a golf tournament, a fishing tournament, uh, a uh, fight night. Uh, we also have uh, some things going on at Sal's uh, for dinner, so uh, you want to be part of this. Drop me an email to get on the list and uh, we're going to start uh, pricing. Now, the only thing that we're not going to include in our package is accommodations. And the reason is there's so many different choices uh, on St. Simon's and the surrounding areas. We didn't want people to uh, uh, feel that they were tied into uh, staying at one place. But you can enjoy all these other things going on. And uh, the majority of the other stuff will be taking place at the Sea Palms uh, Resort. So uh, uh, you're going to love that. So get on the list. Make your plans now. It's a great place to bring a family. It's a great place to hang out with some buddies. Uh, we're going to have a good time. September 13th, 14th, 15th. Sounds like it's way far away, but trust me, time flies. Today's show is also being brought to us in part by my book, Tom Molino, From Bondage to Baddest Men on the Planet, is available right now where all good books are sold. And you can get a copy of this book right now where you're watching or listening to the show. Just uh, go to bondsandnoble.com or amazon.com. You want a signed copy? Just go to the website, billycboxing.com, and uh, click on the book. Uh, if you want multiple copies, don't worry about it. I love selling multiple copies. Just drop me an email, and I'll hook you up with a great deal. Billy at Talkin' Boxing, T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G dot com. Now, coming up a little bit later, um, we, we well, let me start off by saying this. We do have a programming note. We will not, I repeat, we will not be doing a live show tomorrow. I apologize for the uh, uh, quick uh, or last-minute uh, update, but uh, I forgot all about it. Uh, but we will not be doing a live show tomorrow. So today, 
uh, we will be breaking down and giving you our predictions on the big heavyweight fight scheduled for this weekend. Uh, Dana White going up against former world champion Lucas Brown. Uh, in addition to that, there's a couple of good fights on uh, TV tonight uh, that I wanted to talk about. Um, the young, uh, hot prospect, Ryan Garcia, will we'll give you uh, that fight, breakdown prediction, and another fight on that card that uh, interests me. Uh, so all of that is coming up. I got uh, an update on Manny Pacquiao, uh, Carl Frampton, Onito Donaire. I got an update on that. Uh, but we want to kick off the show uh, with a, a report that came out yesterday uh, concerning Dana White. Now, you know who Dana White is uh, from the UFC. Well, he announced last year that he wanted to get involved in boxing. Now, a lot of people thought that it was just related to the fact that, um, you know, Floyd Mayweather was fighting his guy, Conor McGregor, and it just seemed, uh, you know, logical, especially since Dana White has, you know, a couple of Titanic-sized boats filled with cash since he sold the UFC. Um, but uh, yesterday he said that um, not only does he is he serious about entering the uh, sport of boxing, but he's got his his main goal. His main goal is to sign Anthony Joshua. He says that he's in a position right now uh, to make a deal, make an offer to Anthony Joshua that would be worth over $500 million to sign uh, the biggest face uh, in boxing in Anthony Joshua. $500 million. Hey, boys and girls, that's a half a billion dollars. Uh, I've never heard uh, those kinds of numbers being tossed around uh, for a, uh, uh, a deal. Joining me right now uh, from St. Simon's Island, and he actually is awake today, uh, is my uh, man, uh, Sal Rocky Senecola. Good morning, Sal. <laughs> Good morning, Bill. Hey, how you doing? I had to wake up to uh, revelry. There you go. Well, you are you are down south, you know. You're I, in the I, south. Hey, listen, you know. man. Yes, yes. Well, thanks for the wake-up call. I appreciate it. <laughs> that was yesterday. You were alive and well today, man. Hey, look. Oh, I got, well, oh you can't see me, but that, I got... Uh, I, I, I literally, I heard your 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 uh, your signal, and uh, man, that prompted me, and I, I don't know what happened, boy, but I was I was up and at him within five seconds. I was there. Hey, look, you uh, you can't see me, but I got uh, the same shirt you got on right now. Well, actually, no, actually, no. You you don't give me the quality shirt, so I just got it. I give you this shirt. I have this shirt for you. Yeah, well, I, 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 I ordered it. Well, In fact, I, I'm meeting with my promo guy today. Let me know if you want me to discuss a mug with him. <laughs> yeah, I do. Uh, okay, I'll well, talk to you about. Do me a uh, favor. Give me a picture. Send me I a produce. Already did. Uh, I already did. I already sent you a picture. Plus, plus it's my it, phone. I, you know, me, I'm, I'm not gonna. Plus, it's on the send, website, and I sent you Jeremy's email. He's got it. But listen, um, what's your thoughts on uh, Dana White? And and I don't know if you heard. I didn't get a chance to tell you. No live show tomorrow. But what's your thoughts on Dana White uh, getting up? ready to uh, offer uh, Anthony Joshua uh, a signing? Uh, well, a contract to sign with him uh, over $500 million deal. For what? To become his promoter. What are your thoughts? Really? A $500 million deal to become his promoter? Mm -hmm. Well, after taxes, it might only end up being like $250 million, But um, what, what do you think, man? 
hey, if that's if that's if that's reality, first of all, in Anthony Joshua's uh, position, let's look at it realistically, black and white. All right, how many more years would he like to stay in the game of boxing and reap the benefits of his talents? I think he's got anywhere between a three to five year good run. Um, and how many millions of dollars can he get over at three to five years? Uh, I'm sure he could do very, very well. But if somebody was going to offer me, did you say five hundred million? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I feel, I feel. Wait, I feel like it was. Uh, what was that show with uh, Michael? Uh, uh, the Shaggle, Shagga, Go Shagger, whatever it was that movie. You know what I'm talking about? Michael Meyer. Yeah, Michael Meyer when he's shagged, shagged whatever the hell it's called. Shagged Austin Delic, whatever. Powers. And, and he's Austin, going, you're talking about, uh, you're talking, no. $100,000. You're, you're, you're talking about Austin Powers, and he was like, yes. I want, I want, you know, he's holding for ransom, and he goes, I want $1 million, and they're all laughing, giggling. Like, $1 like, million, you know, come on. <laughs> you know, but uh, anyway, let me read you some uh, quotes. I think um, it's phenomenal, and I think you should take it because you know what? Anthony Josh was in a position; he he doesn't really need a promoter per se. He needs he needs a little bit of the 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 mechanics behind it and everything else. But this guy is is at on a level now where he he's going to get the fights no matter what. Well, I mean, to a degree, uh, come on, yeah, you know but, that. But listen, listen. First of all, first of all. You know, my, my my topic today is can he, will he, or can he even sign with, with Dana White? Um, it, he, here's the thing. First of all, he's under contract with uh, uh, Eddie Hearn and, and Matchroom Sport for at least another year. So, you know, um, he can't do anything. Uh, uh, but then again, $500 million could uh, could coax uh, anybody out of a contract. But But... This is when he was asked about it yesterday. Um, this is what uh, Anthony Joshua had to say. And once again, uh, this guy always seems to say the right stuff, at least in my opinion. Uh, Anthony Joshua asked after being asked about the uh, potential $500 million offer from uh, uh, Dana White. He says, uh, listen, I'm riding with Eddie. I've been riding with Eddie. He got me from the get-go. I'm not into the UFC, so I don't know what their plans are. I'm interested because we can all work together. Remember, mine and Eddie's relationship is a really good working relationship. And I'm sure Eddie has an interest in working with Dana White. If it's good business, if it makes sense, we'll listen 100%. If it makes sense, we're all ears in, man. He says, uh, I'm happy that Dana's coming into the game. Hopefully, he can add some excitement and we can pro uh, progress forward and make some good money and make some good fights. Um, you know, he, he's only 28 years old. And, you know, if anybody if anybody doubted that he is the face of boxing, I think this this is pretty much solidifies it, don't you think, Sal? I mean, uh, I don't see anyone else getting any kind of offer, even even remotely close uh, to that. And, and I don't know of anyone ever being offered that kind of money, even in the past. Um, that would be the most outrageous, biggest contract in sports history uh, if it were ever to come to fruition. I, I think what you're going to end up seeing is maybe Dana White getting his fingers into the sport, but uh, I don't know if he's going to be able to uh, uh, to get this guy. I, I don't know. It's a lot of money. What, what do you think? Well, I think it's a, it's a hell of a carrot to put in front of anybody, and uh, but to put in front of Anthony Joshua. 
who we we can definitely say we we both acknowledge that he could be the face in the future of, of boxing. I mean, the guy's so polished. He's eloquent. He he carries himself well. He's a respectful human being, um, and he's a loyal guy. I mean, look what he, he how he is with his camp and everything else, and his promoter right now. Um, you know, that goes a long way and says a lot. Now, can they? maybe merge or blend or have a, a, a combination of of uh, a dual promote promotion uh or or something like that for maybe uh, a little less than the millions or or would Eddie Hearn have a a, a part of that 500 million uh as as a merge or buy buyout I, I don't know but I, I think it's definitely something that we could look into I just don't think I'd like to see a blend of MMA on top of a boxing card on that level well, I, I don't think I don't think it's a blend of MMA. I, no. I just think, listen, Dana White is a promoter. Whether he's, he's promoting, and and, and you know, I, you know, we were talking about promoters uh, in our blast from the past, the last couple of weeks. Yesterday, we were talking about Don King. Something we forgot to mention because we ran out of time. Don King also uh, promoted uh, the Jacksons, the Jackson Five reunion, or something like yes, that. He did. And Bob Arum, uh, he promoted music. Um, you know, there was. Uh, uh, a, a promoter, Kirchner, who uh, uh, Kirchner, was, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, who uh, used to big do, rock guy, used to do rock concerts. He also got uh, involved in in boxing. I mean, music and and the boxing business, promotional wise, has has always been a parallel. Well, the UFC is is a combat sport, so I mean, a promoter is a promoter is a promoter. I mean, remember the Madison Square Garden. Uh, which you know a lot of people look at, especially in our business, look at as as a boxing venue. Started out as a circus venue, you know. So I mean, promoting right. to be successful at promoting, all you have to do is be able to sell your product. And Dana White obviously knows how to do that. Look what he did with the UFC. So it's not like it's they're trying to get Anthony Joshua to fight in the UFC. No. Um, but what they are doing is uh, you know that kind of money, that kind of an investment uh, into a guy. As far as I'm concerned, just really shows you, you know, how glo globally how big Anthony Joshua really is, and and talk about putting pressure on a 28 year old. I mean, this guy's got the pressure of a sport on his back, and uh, I tell you what, an offer like that uh, really doesn't help Deontay's cause too much, does it? I don't think it hurts him. I, I think here, you know, let's look at it realistically. I mean, Anthony Joshua is a unique individual, uh, and he he he's a class above a lot of a lot of fighters out there today. Uh, just just with his positioning, his leverage, his uh, actions in and outside the ring, and uh, I, I mean, we're we're big fans of Anthony Joshua. Uh, on the other side of the coin, I'm a big fan of Deontay Wilder, and I can't wait to see these two guys get in a ring. But that's not what this com conversation is about right now. I think that Anthony Joshua, as a 28-year-old, does come off as being more mature and maybe more uh, readily able to handle this kind of stuff. And believe me, from our perspective, looking in and seeing what he has to handle is a totally different uh, version and vision because we're assuming it from our standpoint of what he's going through. Right now, for him, this could be just a simple another one on a, on a totem pole and uh, hey, this is pretty exciting. Uh, here's how I'm going to chop it and do it. So, so again, it's a it's it's a, it's a great opportunity to to look into into to invest in and to investigate in. My point about making the comment about Deontay Wilder is that yeah. Deontay Wilder, uh, you know, thinks that he's the guy, 
And when you see these kinds of dollars being tossed around associated with Anthony Joshua and Deontay Wilder's, you know, jump of the joy that he just made his first uh, $2 million purse, it should bring the guy to reality when it comes time to negotiate with, uh, with AJ because, you know, Deontay is just, aside from the boxing world, wanting to see the fight that we all want, which puts, uh, you know, arguably the two top heavyweights in the world against each other. But when you put that aside and you start looking at it from a business perspective, Deontay Wilder is virtually an unknown commodity compared to Anthony Joshua when you look at the global ramifications and, you know, the promotional. I mean, a guy like Dana White, and this could all just be him trying to get some attention for something else. But could be. You a, never a, know. A, a, guy never like, know. a guy like Dana White, um, you know, when when you're offering that kind of money, people, people just listen, and he's going after the guy. Listen, Dana White knows – uh, a, a thing or two about value and you know by him going to this guy and putting you know that kind of outrageous number uh on it really sets the bar uh not sure if it was a smart idea on his part but it certainly probably makes other people back off going oh my god now we're talking 500 million dollars but uh Anyway, hold that thought. Impressive. Yeah, no, it's more than that. It's insane. Hold that thought. We're going to take a short break. We'll be back with more on Anthony Joshua. Because guess what? No, wait. There's more. Billy C. We'll be right back. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now. Or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C. Show. Glad you could be with us. And don't forget about being with us in September for our next Billy C. Uh, boxing get together it's going to be the biggest one and best one yet september 13th 14th and 15th it's a three-day event thursday friday saturday at the sea palms and sows we're gonna have a golf tournament fishing tournament a meet and greet a fight night all of that and uh we got a great package together for you to include everything just drop me an email uh to uh secure your spot now it's an invitation only and uh you gotta have a ticket man so uh, drop me an email billy at talking Boxing, T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G.com. Sal, I'm here with some more news on Anthony Joshua because in case y'all... There's more? Yeah, there's more. In case y'all forgot, this guy's fighting at the end of the month next week, uh, Easter weekend, actually. uh, Wow. uh, They were talking to him about his opponent. And, you know, all this talk about, excuse me, Deontay Wilder, um, you know... It's easy to start looking past uh, an opponent. And Joseph Parker, although many of us don't believe that he's going to beat Anthony Joshua, it's still, uh, it's not like he's fighting, you know, one of Deontay Wilder-type opponents prior to Luis Ortiz. I mean, Joseph Parker happens to be a a world champion, and he's beaten some decent uh, opponents. So, um, you know, he sat down and uh, uh, was uh, doing a couple of interviews yesterday and he said, and I quote, this is Anthony Joshua, I'm looking at Joseph Parker right now. you got to look and see how he boxes on the front foot and on the back foot. When he's on the front foot, he finds it difficult to land combinations. However, when he's on his back foot, 
he's performed much better. We're still in pre- preparation, but so far so good. Uh, this is the first time I've manned up with my trainer and said, hey, this is what I think is working and this is what isn't. Can we make some adjustments? Uh, which is pretty uh, interesting. He says, uh, I'm looking to slim down for this fight to come in around 238 or 239. But this isn't Weight Watchers. Nobody should go to camp focused on their weight. But if you do have to focus on that type of fight, uh, but what you should focus on is that type of fight and the fighter that you're facing. (coughs) Excuse me, I'm focusing on everything. Some people seem to think that all you need is a good right hand and a good chin. Like we might as well go to a club in England or America and find the biggest, ugliest guy and we can make him a heavyweight champ. To be a great champ, you need to work on your full game, which includes footwork, perfecting the jab, power, chin, everything. I'm talking about everything. Um, the one line that he says, some people seem to think that what you all you need is a good right hand and a solid chin. That kind of sounds like Deontay Wilder to me, Sal. Your boy. Uh, what's your thoughts on these comments? Well, you know, uh, I'm going to tell you, whoever helps coach uh, uh, Anthony Joshua with his eloquent words and his, uh, I mean, he, he says all the right things. Come on. Uh, he, he's either, uh, that special or he's got, he's got a coach or some good people advising him, uh, about that. Um, I, I can't disagree with him anymore. I mean, here's a guy that humbles himself to understand the mechanics and, and the history of boxing and what it takes to look at, uh, an opponent that you're going to face and how to assess what his strengths are and what his weaknesses may be. And that's what he's doing. He's assessing. He's going to fight his style fight, and he's assessing his style versus the style he's going to go in the ring with next week and how it's going to uh, uh, play on the strengths and weaknesses and make some adaptations to to conquer him. That's it. I mean, he says all the right things. What could I say, Bill? Um, He's a very special guy, and I think he's got a long, successful career ahead of him if he stays on a straight track. Uh, and as far as his comment, that, that might have been a little slap to Deontay Wilder. And, you know, that shouldn't matter at all because the bottom line, um, when they do get in the ring, it's going to be a big, mega, mega fight that uh, everyone's going to want to see. And uh, who knows if it's just going to take a right hand and a good chin to win. <laughs> well, that would suck. But in the heavyweight division, uh, a lot of times uh... – uh, you know, a, a good right hand. And, and in your boy's case, Deontay Wilder, I mean, that's what he's displayed, that he's got a power right hand. He also displayed that he's got a decent chin uh, in his last fight when he fought Luis Ortiz, but he doesn't have anything else. He doesn't have uh, footwork. He doesn't really have any defense. He doesn't have a jab. He, he's supposed to have a jab, but he never uses it. So uh, we'll see. Like you said, they got to get in the ring. Uh, Anthony Joshua uh, doesn't need him. Uh, he needs Anthony Joshua more, but the fans need both of them to get in the ring. That's yeah, we need. do. Yeah, we do because that, that's that's the only fight I want to see in the heavyweight division after next week, and uh, I do want to see next week's fight. But no, Deontay Wilder and Anthony Joshua, that is the biggest mega fight that uh, we can uh, ever hope for right now for this year. I think, uh, aside from Canelo Alvarez and Triple G, if uh, if all things go ahead as as planned and straight, you know. I mean, Triple G and the Cheetah, that fight. <laughs> I got some Is more. Is he fighting a leopard or a cheetah? <laughs> uh, I got some more uh, comments now. 
uh, one of our uh, uh, UK correspondents, Johnston Brown, you can check out his column uh, up on BillyCBoxing.com. Uh, he sent me an email, and he's got uh, some quotes uh, about uh, from Anthony Joshua recently, uh, you know, about Deontay Wilder. Um, you could read his column on BillyCBoxing.com, but he says, uh, hey, guys, he says, here's some uh, uh, quotes with Anthony Joshua from an e- a recent interview when he was asked about um, fighting Deontay Wilder. Anthony Joshua said, well, Wilder has to be realistic and stop living the fantasy. Uh, he's referring to his demands financially. He says, if he was serious about the fight, we would do a serious negotiation. If not, we wish he would just stop hooting and hollering because we'll just freeze him out. Um, you know, that line is such a powerful statement, Sal. And I'll tell you why. Because they can freeze out Deontay Wilder. And that's the truth. I mean, if you think about it, here you got Anthony Joshua getting uh, potential offers of, of a half a billion dollars to sign. He can sell out the, the soccer stadiums in England with 90,000 people. He, he makes $20 million or more every time he steps in the ring, with, no matter who it is. And, you know, if he decides that Deontay Wilder, not that I would want this, but if he decided that Deontay Wilder, they didn't want to fight him, they don't have to. And, and quite honestly, he could go and make history without him. I, you know, I think it comes to a point where Deontay does have to sign the contract and ba- fill it up on the back end if he's that good and, he, and if he wins. Just think of the money. First of all, it's not like he's not going to get paid for this. He's going to make, no. uh, you know, seven, eight, ten million dollars uh, for the first fight. But if he should win, think of the money that Deontay could make. And, oh, by the way, even if he doesn't win, he'll make a rematch, which will be tons of money. And even if that doesn't happen... One fight with Anthony Joshua nets him about what he's made combined right now uh, in the last two years. So I, I don't know. I don't know. What do you think? I well, I think a lot of things. You know that. And uh, what I can relate and say, uh, I think that uh, I think uh, that Deontay Wilder should get a guarantee a minimum of ten million dollars, and and some of the proceeds at a pay per view domestically in the United States, whatever. And I don't think that's that outlandish or that far of a cry. And I think Anthony Joshua is going to probably reap between 20 and $30 million from that. But with the rematch clause being in there, if uh, Deontay Wilder should win, uh, I, I think it, it opens up a whole new uh, negotiation table. And, and uh, definitely, I, I, think, I think both of these fighters, I think they do need each other to, to give the fans what we want as far as a great, great fight that's going to take place. And I don't think that Anthony Joshua would really be uh, that selfish uh, not to, uh, uh, if he is that true combatant, not to want to give what the fans want as well. I mean, here he is. He's talking and he's saying everything right and correct. But uh, I believe in in his heart of hearts, he knows that he's going to have to get in the ring with Deontay Wilder sooner than later. Well, first of all, you know, I, I have uh, I had read a, uh, an interview uh, with him. Uh, let me see. Oh, oh I, I know where I read it. It's it's coming up on an email. I got an I got a link um, uh, that I read, and and basically I'll jump I'll jump to what it was saying. He wants Deontay Wilder, and his trainer 
uh, was saying, listen, this kid wants to prove, meaning AJ, wants to prove that he's the best. And he wants Anthony Josh, I mean, uh, Deontay Wilder more than anything. And, you know, quite frankly, between Anthony Joshua and his uh, trainer, they would be shocked if they can't get the fight with Deontay next, should he get by uh, Parker, which I was very happy to hear. Um, yes. But uh, in, in any event, let me just uh, get some other quotes when they were asked about um, the Parker fight. He said, uh, around this time in my last camp, I was around the same weight now. I don't know how I shot up in uh, weight during fight week. Uh, maybe I relaxed. Maybe I was exhausted that I laid on the bed eating. Uh, I went on uh, easily. Uh, he said, I spent three months training every day, uh, and then uh, we didn't do anything. He says, uh, um, you know, I, this is uh, an important week. Um, they have a uh, – he's got a question uh, for you. He says, uh, how did you do – when you fought, how was your weight during fight week? Now, I got to take a break. So when we come back, basically what he's asking is um, is what AJ said is that he was weighed a lot less. And then during fight week, and he was a heavyweight, so he never had to worry about his weight. He, no. he, he you know, uh, relaxed a little bit. And then all of a sudden he, he gained some weight uh, before fight night. So he wanted to know a question for you. How did you do with your weight during fight week? So as soon as we come back from break, Sal's going to give us how he did. And he's already talked about this before, but uh, we'll hear what he's got to say today. We'll be back in two. Billy C will be right back. Now back to talking Boxing with Billy C, the only radio host man enough to take a punch from Mike Tyson. Wait a minute, man. Hold, hold, hold on there. Jeremy, man, uh, I need you to take this one, all right? Wait, what? What? No way. I, I, I can't do this. Need I remind you I'm Billy C., damn it? Now put on that mustache and get in there. Hey, hey, look at me. I'm Billy C. <laughs> Crap. The undisputed heavyweight champion of boxing talk radio. It's Talking Boxing with Billy C. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C. Show. Glad you could be with us. And before we went to break, uh, my emailer, uh, Johnston, uh, had asked Sal, you know, what he noticed when he was training um, for a fight during fight week, you know, that last uh, week leading up to the fight. Now, keep in mind, boys and girls, that Sal fought – uh, in a weight class that wasn't unlimited. So uh, I, I would assume, Sal, that it was a little more strict for you, no? It was. It was a strict weight class. I mean, I started out as a junior lightweight, and uh, it, it got it became, as I matured, you know, my body filled out and it became more. And I, plus I worked out. I worked out. Uh, I was I was ahead of uh, a lot of fighters, what they could do today. I was using Nautilus equipment. I was training with the, with that. Uh, full range of motion, stretching, negative and positive uh, resistance. Loved it. Um, I was running. Uh, God bless me with these quads that are that are probably uh, could be on a heavyweight. So I have a lot of a lot of weight in my my legs. Um, but I think that uh, my coming down and growing into uh, a, a lightweight, I was perfect at 135 pound lightweight division. I go up. Sometimes splurging after a fight to 150, 160 pounds at one time. But 
I would always report to camp, and I would always be within the target range. I'd be under 145 pounds. I'd be between 140, 145, and the weight would just peel off. And uh, by the time, sometimes, uh, I would be actually going into fight week. Of course, when I started using, I won't plug the book all the time, but the Eat to Win, Dr. Robert Haas's uh, formula, uh, complex carbohydrates, uh, uh, that seemed to be the optimum, the perfect diet for me because I used the complex carbohydrates at about uh, 70%, 20% protein, and 10% fat. That was the fuel mixture that my body thrived on, and I could punch belt to belt for 10 rounds. And my conditioning, my, my training, uh, the weight came off, um, and I did what I had to do. A few fights, I even had to, to, to watch out what I was doing because I was actually coming down the week before to fight a little bit too light. I was 134, 133. Um, and I, I had to you know, make sure that I would come in just, just around the 135 weight limit. Um, I never failed to make weight in the history of my career as a amateur, professional fighter, and even as a wrestler going back to age 14. I always had to tear the weight off my body. Never failed making weight. You just had to have the discipline. That's it. Yeah, but during fight week, what was your procedure? I mean, it was it was more of a relax, right? During my procedure, okay. If I was maybe between 135 and 138, 138 pounds, three pounds, I would know that I could probably just dry out. Okay, we had the same day weigh-ins. So if I, if I knew if I was between 135, 137 uh, the day before the fight, that was my target weight, uh, just by not drinking water. Um, uh, or taking in any fluids uh, after my my walker that that day, 24 hours before I step on a scale, I was able to drop uh, two three pounds, and I never failed to make weight that way. And I kept my strength. Uh, I'd have bananas, uh, baked potato, and Gatorade waiting for me after the scale. Um, and and I, like I said, I felt very comfortable. I'd peel the weight off. I'd train that, and I would get the weight within striking distance uh, in my training camp between one or two weeks out from the fight date, and that's why it was easy for me to manage, and I knew my body better than anybody, so I, I knew what I had to do to make it, and I carried along my little scale I, that was balanced to a medical scale, so you know, it was right on, and, and it never failed me. Well, let's, you know, you, we always talk about, you know, the scale, it doesn't matter if your scale is the best scale and the most cal- calibrated. At the end of the day, you got to go by the by the commission scale. That's unfortunately the truth. But uh, um, in any event, um, yeah, it's definitely different for a heavyweight, but, you know. It's definitely but, different but, but from a heavyweight. Sal, and, you know, but Anthony Sal, Joshua did come in overweight a little bit, I think. Uh, did, he look fat? did he I look mean, fat he, to you? 260? Did he, did he look? No, no. No. And he didn't look fat or anything. I, I don't oh. know. I don't know. I Listen. I personally don't think they should do anything with AJ. He's coming along perfect. Um, Eddie Hearn, one last thing I wanted to mention with Johnston's uh, uh, quotes here. He says, Eddie Hearn seems to be and is uh, genuinely nervous ahead of the Parker fight. Uh, He says, uh, I think that this fight against Parker will be AJ's toughest fight. He says, I'm nervous about the fight. He says, uh, Anthony Joshua definitely has some vulnerabilities. He says, uh, we know that he has vulnerabilities. He doesn't deny it. But then again, he's only had 20 professional fights. 
He's moving at a ridiculous pace, really. But you can't slow it down, not in this era of social media and so much popularity for the sport. This is the way the public wants it. He wants the biggest and hardest fights now, too. This is the buzz as a promoter in the heavyweight division. It's the danger zone. You can lose it all in one split second. Now, that is 100% true. And this, boys and girls, is the main difference between the uh, careers and the paths of the careers that both AJ and Wilder have taken. Anthony Joshua has been progressed along, at least in my opinion, the right way. His level of opposition has moved, uh, been uh, increased every step of the way uh, until he got his shot. And uh, it still has his fight. You can make the argument that every fight that he's had, I mean, yeah, they slipped in the uh, Takam fight, uh, which uh, was due to an injury uh, to his previous opponent. But, I, I mean, he's uh, gotten better. We see improvements each time. We do not see that with the Deontay Wilder path. What we did see was accumulation of uh, all of the doubts put to rest, in a sense, in his last fight when he finally was forced uh, to fight a, a quality opponent. And you got to give him the credit for uh, fighting Luis Ortiz, regardless of Luis Ortiz's age and and uh, you know uh, issues he's had uh, uh, not fighting, et cetera, et cetera. At the end of the day... Uh, Wilder proved that he did win, and that's what's got him into the, the the conversation, or I should say demand from us, the boxing public, to fight AJ. And I think that that's pretty much it in a nutshell. When you when you look at the two fighters, Sal, I mean, you can't argue as much as you like your, uh, your guy uh, Wilder, you, you can't argue that he does not possess the same skill set uh, as Anthony Joshua, but he's got the equalizer. He's got the the bomb in the right hand. Well, I'll tell you what. I I think that the hey, styles make fights, and you know Deontay Wilder is, is a tall, uh, athletic type of guy. He's leaner. He's got he's got it looks like fast muscle tw uh, twitch fibers. He it looks like he uh, he he's more of an athlete in a sense where he, he can adapt and most likely succeed in many sports. Uh, the bottom line is he's, he's now entrenched and, and, and taken up by boxing, and he is doing what his body is allowing him to do to uh, prove that he can continue and, and to, to fight the best out there. Uh, he's got uh, God-given power. Uh, he takes a hell of a shot. He's got the endurance and sustains a good level of, of, of uh, conditioning. Uh, so he's got the foundation and tools to, to continue to succeed and win. Um, I, I, I don't know. I think that uh, they're two different, two different athletes. Uh, and they both have their, their positive attributes. And they also have some things that they need to work on. Um, and they both came up differently. But like I said always, sometimes it's okay to have a, a package you're going to unwrap and reveal. Uh, and he, he moved himself into position. And when he's ready to show the world what he's got, he's not going to fail. He's going to rise to the occasion and deliver. And that's what Deontay Wilder was capable of doing in his path. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll yeah, see. Yeah, yeah. We'll see. We'll, we'll hey, see. I like we'll Deontay see. Wilder. Good and for I'm you. I'll tell you something. You. I, I love Anthony Joshua. I think he's great. I think he's everything that you say he is. I think he's phenomenal. But guess what? 
it doesn't stop where I think the two of them, if they do meet, when they do meet in the ring. I think Deontay Wilder has got the equalizer. I think he's got the tools. I think he may pull the upset of the century, and uh, and we're going to have to look at that possibility because I think he can, he can win this fight if they should meet. Yeah, well... Um, we'll uh, we'll see. I, I I I hope we see it. We should see it this year, and I I, I really do. I think. Well, we will we'll tell yeah. you what I think. Yeah, you know. I, I know. I I, I the I, thing that, that you know the thing that really gets you me. hate to hear no, it. No, no, I, I tell you what gets me when you when you talk about Wilder. I, what the thing about Wilder is, I, I give him props after the Ortiz fight. I give him props that he showed that he's got heart. He showed that he's got a chin, which is important. Both of those attributes are very important. And he's always demonstrated that he's got power in his right hand. But aside from that, he has nothing. He's got no technique. He's got no – his balance is, is horrific. He's got nothing of, in terms of defense. And, you know, if, if you're giving him a power puncher's chance to catch Anthony Joshua and put him to sleep – I agree with that. He's got that. But aside from that, he's got nothing. You use the exact words after the Ortiz fight. Oh, he's had good footwork. I'm like, what fight are you watching? If you go and watch any of his fights, even when he's knocking people out, he's never in the right position. You of all people should know that. You know, it's just, it's funny to me. And, and I understand, you know, I give the impression that he doesn't have a chance in hell against AJ. And your opinion is he's got more than a good chance. And, and I'm not denying that. I, I think that people read what I say wrong. I, I think that uh, Deontay has a good chance against uh, uh, AJ because of his punching power. But if AJ can neutralize that, tie him up uh, in a way or, or keep him at bay or, or just counter punch him, AJ's, uh, Deontay's in trouble. He's, uh, Luis Ortiz demonstrated how easy it was for Deontay to get hit with a counterpunch. The difference is Ortiz does not possess Anthony Joshua power. I don't know. It's a fight that has to take place to prove it once and for all, Sal. Well, it does. And, and like I said, when I said earlier when he was facing and not before the fight, but when he was going into the fight with Luis Ortiz, I said he just hasn't had the dance partner that's going to bring out his best. And I will continue to say, we have not seen the best Deontay Wilder yet. But while he rises to the occasion and he does fight to the level of his opposition, I think we will be introduced and we will see the first times of a lot of things that Deontay Wilder does possess. And I will tell you this. I think with the, with the camp, with Mark Breland in his corner, I, I think they know that they're going to have to have a true sit down and look at the style of Anthony Joshua and how he can out uh, try to out uh, box him or stay on the outside. And it's going to be an orthodox fighter versus an orthodox fighter. And you may see Deontay Wilder utilize his jab and slip some punches and move out to the side and stay outside of of of, uh, Deont- of, of Anthony Joshua's range. So what I'm saying and suggesting is we just have not seen the very best Deontay Wilder because he's got he's a kind of fighter, call him a chameleon, call him whatever, he's got the ability to rise to the occasion. And I think he's going to rise to the occasion when he faces Anthony Joshua. It's a great fight, great matchup, and we got to see it. Here's the thing. In my opinion, we've never seen the best Floyd Mayweather either. I think that Floyd Mayweather cheated the fans out of actually showing us what the man could do. 
I never, you know, people always get on me for not liking Floyd. Of course I don't like him, but it's not because he didn't have talent. He just never showed it. We, and, and he doesn't have the ability to show it now because he's too old. Deontay Wilder, I don't care if Mark Breland, uh, you know, teaches him everything that he needs to know and he becomes uh, the best jab thrower in the sport. He, his footwork gets improved. Uh, he's, he, his defense is tightened up. I don't care. If he learns all of that and he steps in that ring and it looks like he's technically sound, that all is great, except for one thing, Sal, and you've admitted to me on this show many times. When a guy gets clocked or if when the going gets tough or if he gets in trouble, the first thing that's going to happen to, to Deontay Wilder is he's going to revert back to what comes naturally to him, what is automatic to him. And because he's a, a technical nightmare to this point in time, he's going to revert back to exactly what he did against Luis Ortiz. He's going to try to bully uh, AJ with his power, and AJ is going to finish him off. I mean, I'm telling you. Now, if the discipline is 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 turned around, and and Deontay Wilder has has possessed this, this discipline all along, and we just haven't seen it yet, as as you uh, kind of allude to, well, then you're right. You're 100 percent right because if if Deontay Wilder can come in disciplined and perform uh, using a jab and and using an arm reach. And, and moving around and, and, and demonstrating some footwork and doing all those things, then he's got a better than good chance of beating AJ because of the punching power. But I personally think, like every other fighter that I've ever seen fight, when the going gets tough, they revert back to what comes naturally. And that's, for Deontay, that's his right hand. I mean, I, to me, that's what it is, man. It possibly can be. And, you know, I'll, t I'll tell you this, too, and you're not going to like what I have to say here, but I think Deontay Wilder is going to have an easier time training for the kind of style that Anthony Joshua is going to bring to the table than I feel Anthony Joshua is going to have training for a Deontay Wilder because Deontay Wilder is so unorthodox, and you never know where those punches are, coming or when. And and I think that's, that's the kind of thing that – that Anthony Joshua is going to have to prepare for, keep the hands up, keep the keep his feet underneath him, and uh, be able to move and to be able to to anticipate and to be able to be defensive and offensive at the same time. Uh, I'm sure he could do it. I'm sure it's going to be. That's why it's going to be a great fight. There's so many, so many different nuances that these fighters will bring to the ring that it's going to be a great dance to watch. And that's that's all I can say. Well, it's got to be. Uh, it's got to get signed first. But uh, anyway, speaking of signing, we got some more uh, news here. Uh, Manny Pacquiao, according Ooh. to Manny Pacquiao's lawyer, uh, El Brando Vernesto, uh, he claims, Mister uh, Vernesto, uh, that uh, Manny Pacquiao is no longer under contract with Bob Arum and Top Rank. Uh, according to uh, Vernesto, and I quote, I reviewed Manny's contracts and I found out that Bob Arum has no more to say, uh, even in the rematch, should there be any, between Manny and Jeff Horn. Uh, his contract has expired. Um, he's, uh, they've also alleged that uh, Bob Arum, in not one but two separate occasions, uh, has uh, pretty much ruined... Uh, Manny Pacquiao's attempts 
to get uh, financial backing for a couple of other big fights, including uh, one against Amir, Ma, uh, Amir uh, Khan. So uh, uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, I don't know why Manny is struggling so hard to, to stay in the sport. I mean, Manny Pacquiao is the first ballot Hall of Famer. In my opinion, I know I'm going to piss a lot of people off right now, uh, but in my opinion, in my all-time great top 25, if I had to write it today, uh, he would finish ahead of Floyd Mayweather. Now, the reason why I do that is because uh, despite Floyd beating Manny, and a lot of people would say I'm nuts because Floyd beat Manny, so how could you put Manny in front of Floyd? Well, the, the reason is in addition to overall talent, uh, an accomplishment in the sport, which I weigh when I look at Hall of Famers and all-time greats, uh, specifically what we're talking about now, I also look at the impact that that particular fighter made on the sport. And, you know, Manny Pacquiao, for the most part, were, most of the impact that he's made has been a positive one. He's brought excite. He had brought excitement to the sport, um, you know, he was his fights were exciting, very memorable, whether he won or lost. Uh, Floyd, he displayed, uh, you know, an immense uh, talent ability, uh, you know, uh, retired with the O, uh, which has value. Uh, but he was never an exciting fighter uh, and he didn't do anything to help the sport. I, I feel he did things to hurt the sport. He did everything to help himself, but not the sport. And, and quite honestly, he doesn't owe you know, I mean, in life, uh, you really, uh, it depends how you look on life. You, you are supposed to, to help things. But I, I would think that, um, you know, especially uh, since the success that Floyd ha has had financially, that he would have done more to help the sport. In my opinion, he's done nothing. The sport, uh, you know, you can prove it. Uh, every time he's added a game, the sport thrives like right now. But uh, anyway. Um, what do you think about uh, Manny Pacquiao saying his deal is done with uh, Bob Arum? Well, that means well, that's great. He's free. He's like a free agent. Uh, his, his career can flourish right now. No, I, you know, let me tell you something. You know what I'm going to say. Uh, I like Manny Pacquiao. I think he was a tremendous fighter. And as you suggest, he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. Uh, he's going to be a legend uh, in his country as he already is. Um, and he's done things for boxing, and uh, he, he's, he's a good humanitarian. He's a great guy. He's a politician. He's everything that one person could hope to achieve in one lifetime. Um, but I will tell you this. I lost respect for Manny when he profusely said and what he wanted to do would just get back in the ring and fight Floyd Mayweather. And that never came to be. Yes, uh, it did. He he wanted to. Floyd didn't want to. And the reason Floyd didn't want to is because Manny, uh, um, you know, ended up losing to Jeff Horn, you know. So well, Floyd, we know that. But, right. uh, but it's not like he didn't want to. No, but what I'm saying is Manny had a good case to, to come back and, and just go right to Floyd without a prior fight, without maybe one tune-up. But for him to take a path uh, to, 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 to traverse down the slope or whatever the heck and not go directly. Uh, like I said, you do what you say, you say we do. Manny said, I'm going to get my shoulder fixed. I'm going to fight uh, a rematch. I'm going to go by after Floyd Mayweather. 
that should have been maybe you should have had one tune-up fight against just a, a, a somebody that we could test a, a, and see how his shoulder was. He did. The bottom line. He did. He fought I and know. won the but, world title. Remember from Jesse Vargas. Yeah, I I know that. Well, I know that. So what you, but so what, what I'm mean? saying is that should have been the Floyd Mayweather should have been the rematch that that Manny shot for and and should have should have but done. He was. What, what did I miss the, in, he, in that along his pathway? He, yeah, did but you call out Floyd. Yes. Yes, you're missing all of that. He did call out Floyd. He demanded a rematch after the fight. After he said, "I don't want to make, I don't want to make an excuse, but my shoulder was hurt." You know, I, I, I mean. But what I'm saying is, if he demanded that, where was his his uh, his mouthpiece or his uh, his uh, uh, words and his camp uh, after he he got his shoulder repaired? Sal, you you're having selective memory, man, because after the fight. He 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 cried. You know he made the excuse, which we both blasted him for. And yeah. and, and I can't stand when a fighter said I can't stand when fighters make an excuse. But what I can't stand even more is when they say I don't want to make an excuse. But and then there goes the excuse, and that's exactly what Manny did. And then all of a sudden, all the all of the Manny Pacquiao fans kept the they kept saying the absurd notion that he actually won the fight. And, you know, we all know that, uh, you know, Floyd beat Manny. There was no question about it. There's not, you can't even discuss that no, Manny won Floyd that fight. Beat Manny. Yeah, yeah, there's no question. And, no and, question. And, and, and then, but after that fight, Manny wanted a rematch. He was calling for the rematch. And Floyd, you know, Floyd's answer was, well, hey, I beat you. I don't. Floyd doesn't give anybody rematches because he won't give anyone a chance to even fight on an even playing field. And uh, after that, Manny figured, okay, because uh, Floyd was basically saying, I don't fight fighters that come off a loss, which is a lie. But anyway, uh, so Manny went and, and fought Jesse Vargas and won a world title. He won the world title. So now he comes back with a win and says, okay, you know, let's fight Floyd again. Floyd didn't want any part of it. He went after Conor McGregor. So what does Manny do? He makes a, a thinking that he's going to keep the rematch uh, bid open by taking an easy fight against Jeff Horn. And he uh, takes the fight lightly, and we all know what happened. That was pretty much the end of Manny Pacquiao. His drawing power ended. There's no reason to expect Floyd to fight him no. now. And and no, I no. do agree that they should have had the rematch uh, right after. I do agree with Manny's team that after he beat uh, and won a title, that that they should have had a rematch, and they didn't. But once Manny lost to Jeff Horn. Now all bets are off. He doesn't all deserve a rematch, uh, and, and he doesn't deserve the rematch. But he also, I'll tell you what, maybe maybe uh, he should really consider um, retiring and uh, going out the winner he is before he just stays around too long, and he either gets hurt or he just becomes another uh, rung in the ladder for a young buck coming up the ranks. I don't know. Yeah, well, listen. He like sh- Jeff Horn, he already did it. Right, I mean, exactly. <laughs> and Jeff, well, Horn, Jeff Horn's no killer. Jeff, I mean, you know, he's very limited, you know. But uh, uh, but anyway, hey, listen, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, I got one more little bit of news. Uh, and then uh, we got a bunch of emails to read. Then we're going to break down the fight. Man, we got so much to do in so little time. I'll be back in two. Billy C will be right back. Part of the Billy C Boxing Network. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. 
Now back to Talkin' Boxing with Billy C. He may not have an Excellence in Broadcasting Award, but the night's still young. And he's got martinis. So you never know what may be by morning. It's Talkin' Boxing with Billy C. Talkin' Boxing with Billy C. Now back to Billy Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C Show. Glad you could be with us. Uh, we got some uh, little bit of tidbit news here for you. Uh, Carl Frampton, Nonito Donaire, uh, they are uh, fighting on April 21st. It, uh, it's going to be a pretty decent uh, matchup, uh, uh, in my opinion. Um, they uh, were the co-main event, but now they're uh, moving up to the main event since the WBO featherweight champ Oscar Valdez uh, had his bra, uh, jaw broken in his last fight. Uh, so uh, not only, um, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, I, I misspoke that. The, they were the main event, but they were fighting for uh, no title. But now because of the situation with Oscar Valdez that he broke his jaw and he will not be able to fight for quite some time, uh, the Carl Frampton against Nonito Donaire fight is now for the WBO interim title, which means the winner of this fight uh, has to fight uh, Oscar Valdez as soon as he's able to uh, when his jaw uh, heals. As, as we, you remember, Sal, uh, Oscar Valdez uh, fought that great fight a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> Uh, and you love them. He's, he's, that, that's your oh, yeah. style fighter right there, that's right? That's my style fight. Absolutely. I Unbelievable. Mean, yeah, he's that's a my guy, style. He's a guy that never stopped. I thought he was going to run out of gas, but he never did. But uh, <laughs> No, never did. Anyway, we've got some emails. Let's get going. we got Jesse. He says, hey, guys, I agree that Anthony Joshua should not face Big Baby Miller if they both win. AJ should definitely fight uh, Wilder. Next, let us finish off this discussion of who's the best heavyweight. Hopefully, AJ versus Wilder uh, can straighten up the heavyweight division. But we should not forget that Tyson Fury will be saying that it's it, that he is the best heavyweight in the division when he comes back. Uh, this division needs a tournament of the top guys. You know why the heavyweight division will never be able to succeed with a never. tournament with the top guys? Now, it could succeed with the up-and-coming guys. Uh, but the reason why I would never succeed with top guys is because there's too much money. There's too much risk. Um, you know, nobody would love a tournament uh, with guys like uh, AJ and Deontay and Parker and Dillian White and Tyson Fury. And, and you, you can name the, the top eight heavyweights and put them all in a tournament. I mean, that would be great. I mean, the amount of money oh, yeah. that could be made. But they all risk things, losing uh, no, I think it's important for AJ to fight Deontay Wilder next because it would give us a, 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 an opportunity to have the first uh, undisputed world heavyweight champion since Lennox Lewis. And, um, you know, you, you could bet uh, dollars to donuts that uh, what will happen is, um, or donuts to dollars, I always get that messed up, that what would happen is somebody would end up stripping um, the winner of that uh, A.J. Wilder fight at some point because there's just not enough time to make all the mandatories. So you'd end up with a title becoming uh, vacant and then two other fighters fighting for it, and then you'd have another big fight. So uh, the best thing that could happen for the division, is it's almost, it's almost similar to what Terrence Crawford did. The difference is he moved up in weight and vacated all his titles. Uh, the winner of all the belts in one shot 
would really have a, a, a kingpin in the heavyweight division. And I, I would love to watch the fights that would lead up to the fight to the opportunity to fight the undisputed champion. You know what I'm saying, Sal? Like, all those other fighters would be in line trying to fight each other to get that shot at the undisputed champion. Those would be the fights that uh, would be oh, outrageous gosh. to watch. be like wildfire. It would be It would be great. And that's, you know, unfortunately, that's that's the old ways of what I remember boxing being when I was growing up, you know? All the, all the Thai guys... That, uh, on the on the rungs of the ladder would would fight each other to to prove that they were the best and deserving of a world title shot against the champion. Um, Jesse says Canelo versus Triple G should happen, but I agree that the failed drug test does damage the fight because there's going to be excuses from both fighters. If That's Canelo so wins, smart. if Canelo wins, then he cheated and Triple G doesn't take the fight. Uh. Then he's avo- oh, then he cheated. If Triple G doesn't take the fight, then Canelo's going to say that Triple G is avoiding him uh, until we get real concrete evidence of what the failed drug test reveals. Um, he wants to know if I'm going to watch the uh, fights tonight with uh, Ryan Garcia. Yes, of course I am. But there is no live show tomorrow. Um, as far as the Canelo-Triple G fight, my, my biggest hang-up with this fight isn't the fight. You know, I, I've never not been a fan of Canelo, and I absolutely love Triple G. My hang-up with this fight is that the powers that be, and in this case, the spineless, gutless piece of garbage named Bob Bennett in, in, at the Nevada State Athletic Commission, is not doing the right thing. They're letting money uh, get in the way. The right thing here, if it would have been anybody else, you test positive, you're done. And the Nevada State Athletic Commission is buying into this meat thing. They're not blaming Canelo. They've tested him. He's been clean since. Uh, so, you know, uh, they're going by that, and they're sticking to it. Triple G was just frustrated when he uh, came out and said what he said. But it doesn't mean he said the wrong thing because uh, uh, I think that if, we tru- if, if the powers that be truly want to have a clean sport, Sal, then somebody has to be made example of. And there's no one better, in my opinion, than Canelo. Well, I mean, it would make a statement that would resonate for a long, long time. And uh, until the next big thing came across the wire and uh, we'd be discussing that. But, uh, yeah, it would be. I mean, if, if, if Triple G said, hey, uh, he's already a cheater. Uh, he needs me more than I need him. I'm going on to other other things. Uh, it would be a slap, and it would be it would be hard. And if the commissioner uh, came down and said, "Hey, we can't allow this. Uh, you're going to be banned for boxing for one year," maybe that's the title. Maybe that's the that's the punishment that any fighter caught would disrupt his career and the momentum or lack thereof. If they get caught with using some illegal substance, they've got to be banned from professional boxing for one year period. One and, year's period. And that's my point. A, a statement where you take a, a big name and, and, and make them I pay know. the same consequence, that will will resonate, you know? Oh, now, it will. Now, it will. And you want to watch. You want to watch either how they're going to try to get around it or how they're going to try and uh, have uh, concessions or how they're going to just be adamant and say, hey, this is the rules. The rules are rules. The laws are laws. And the bottom line is you're not going to change this law. You get caught using dope or something else, boom, you're done for one year from the date that you were discovered or found out that you were using this substance. The thing is, the, the other thing is, 
is for, for young fighters to see that Canelo gets away with it and they say, wow, you know, he's with Golden Boy. They they, they have all this juice. They have this power. So once they sign with these bigger – see, these promoters, Golden Boy is actually creating a problem for themselves because by letting Canelo get away with this, and I'm not saying Golden Boy is, but by the powers that be, uh, the gutless, spineless piece of garbage, Bob Bennett, by him letting um, you know Canelo get away with this – the message that it sends is, hey, sign with Golden Boy and you can cheat a little bit and not pay the consequences. I'm sorry, but that's the truth. You know, anybody that gets caught and they get away with it, um, you know, they're going to get special treatment. I, I, I don't know. That's what it seems like to me. But uh, anyway, we got uh, uh, another email. This is from uh, your buddy Joel. Uh, he's got two comments hey, Joel. here. He says, uh, I was curious if you guys think that with HBO picking up White Brown Saturday, it's a positive sign that HBO is going to pick up more fights, even if they're international fights. HBO has been disappointing with their lineup as late, with the cards are far and few, and I'm hoping uh, you can provide more insight on what you think about this. I, I think I'm, I'm surprised at HBO, but I also think that they might be in don't fire until you see the whites of their eyes mode. Um, I think they are going to make a strong play for Anthony Joshua um, after the Parker fight. And I think they're just they're they're just keeping that chest full of money available, Sal. Yeah, you hit on that a couple weeks ago, and I can't agree with you more. I think that's what's going to happen, and we'll we'll hear what's uh, what's in the chest uh, probably next week. He says another point he's got here is uh, with the postponement of the Billy Joe Saunders Martin Murray fight. I was curious if you think Murray is a credible opponent for Billy Joe, or expect Billy Joe to have an easy time with Murray. Murray's a big middleweight. And was a game for most of his fight with Triple G until he got stopped late in their fight. Um, it depends what Billy Joe Saunders shows up. The Billy Joe Saunders that we saw uh, fight um, in his most recent fight impressed the hell out of all of us. Uh, none of us gave him uh, a chance against no. David Lemieux. And um, he, he proved that he can box and stuff. But again, the fight I want to see with, with Billy Joe Saunders is against the winner of Triple G Canelo or just Triple G. If I was Triple G, I would have walked away from the Canelo fight. Uh, because of the uh, PED positive test and would have went after Billy Joe Saunders, but that's me. Um, he also says, uh, with Joshua Parker fight happening on Easter weekend, I was curious if you were thinking of doing a post-fight show for that. I uh, would certainly tune in. Um, we we want to do the post-fight shows. I, the post-fight shows are our su most successful thing. I mean, we love it. I just been waiting. I got other things in in the in the in the stirring in the pot right now. So I just been holding off. Uh, but uh, but you're right. Um, that particular fight, um, we probably should uh, consider that. We'll we'll let you know, Joe. Um, he says Ryan Garcia is fighting uh, tonight uh, on an ESPN card. Do you think he's one of the bright spots in boxing today? I'm very high on him. Um, me too. I'll get to him in a second, Joel. Thanks for the email. Uh, we got another one here, Sal. I got a bunch of them. I didn't realize we had so many today. Um, this one's from uh, Jonathan from the UK. He says, I know, okay, this was the email. I, I read this link. He said, I know there was a lot of talk about Joshua ducking uh, Wilder and after Parker. I personally think uh, a lot of what Hearn is saying at the moment is an attempt to promote the white-brown uh, fight uh, at the, uh, this weekend. Uh, there's been quite a few uh, articles about Joshua against white, on this side of the pond, too, I think Eddie Hearn is doing what any promoter should, and he's promoting his event. 
uh, I've sent you a link to an interview with Rob McCracken, who uh, I feel always gives a balanced interview. Is definitely the man Joshua trusts the most. In fact, he's the guy Joshua said in his last interview was the most important piece of equipment he needs to, to fight, uh, which is his training. He says, give my gut regards to my man Sal and keep up the good work. Um, I did yeah. happen to read this uh, interview, Sal, and uh, mm -hmm. uh, Rob McCracken uh, said, um, now, first of all, Rob McCracken isn't just successful with AJ. He was also uh, the guy responsible for Carl Frotch's success um, and all of uh, Great Britain's uh, boxing uh, amateur program. He's very uh, uh, into it. Um, but one of the things that he said uh, that, you know, I mentioned earlier is that to fight Wilder is all that's on AJ's mind. So, uh, you know, that's a good thing, Sal. You know, I mean, you've said many times, and I agree, that at the end of the day, it's up to the fighter, right? Hey, if these guys want to get in the ring and fight each other, it's going to happen. And it, it's going to happen. But, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, that, that that's the old way it used to be. I mean, if, if two fighters want to really fight each other, it's going to happen. If it's a good, credible fight, and if the promoters see it being significant enough, uh, it's it's an easier fight made than not. I think it's it definitely is an easy fight if the two fighters want it. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, well, well it's the an easier fight made than not. You know, you have to hopefully have the promoters in line with it. But if they, even if they they're not, they, they you know the fighters insist. Hey, guess what? I want to train. I want to fight this guy. Uh, you know, it's hard to say no. No, I know, but I mean, do you think that the promoters' greed is what gets in the way? The yeah, promoters' greed does get in the way. Uh, and, and managers sometimes they, uh, they see, uh, some things that the fighters don't, but, uh, the truth of the matter is when two fighters really want to fight each other, uh, and it's a significant fight, there's no reason beyond a shadow of a doubt why that fight will not be made. Yeah. I, uh, I agree with you, uh, a hundred percent there. Um, another email, this one's from my man uh, Luke. He says, I apologize if you've already covered this. I haven't been able to listen to uh, yesterday's show, but this whole thing uh, about Eddie Hearn discussing a fight with AJ and Baby Miller and Dillian White fighting Deontay in the co-main event I think is covering a couple of things. First, I think it's a smoke screen. I think he's doing it to wind up Deontay, trying to drum up interest. To be honest, I don't <laughs> know why. It's interesting. Uh, there's already enough interest, but he's a promoter at heart, and I think it's just a way of digging the needle a bit more. Secondly, and more importantly, I think he's doing it to try and satisfy his bloated roster. I love Eddie, and I think what he's doing within the game, uh, it's excellent. But one thing that he has even admitted himself, he's got a lot of fighters under his banner. We know for a fact that when he's been making and talking up these big money fights for AJ, it's common knowledge that Dillian White has been unhappy, and, it's, and he's eager to go to that next level. As you said, he's not exactly sh uh, show nor done too much he hasn't shown or done too much since he lost to aj uh, but i think that the statement that eddie put out the other day was just his way of trying to satisfy dillian and of course his new signing in big baby miller i do totally agree with you though that should aj get past joseph parker him and wilder is clearly the next fight i just think he's playing a game i, I could see that and and we, we and we and we saw um with al Heyman, sal you know, he mm -hmm. signs 300 fighters, and, you know, you can't keep... If you're going to sign so many fighters, the most the reason why a fighter signs with a promoter is to stay busy. 
The hardest thing in boxing is to stay busy, to get the meaningful fights, to get fights that can pay uh, decent money, et cetera, et cetera. So the more fighters you have under the banner, the harder it is to keep everybody happy. I mean, that's the truth, Sal. Yes, no, it's true, big time. And, uh, you know, you have a vested interest in your fighter. And, you know, when you find uh, when you when you have so many fighters underneath your belt, you know, you've got to pay uh, due diligence and attention to 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 them and, and what's going to leverage them in the future. You know, like, like I just said um, in the chat room, don't forget, we got uh, super chat available. So, you know, I got talked into it and nobody uses it. But uh, um, I use it. Where is it? <laughs> use it. Yeah. Go on to YouTube. <laughs> Um, you know, nobody wants to see, but, but Jarrell Baby Mill is a fraud. I mean, I don't care how good he could become, but at this stage of his career, he does not deserve to fight anyone along, uh, uh forget about AJ. He doesn't even deserve to fight Deontay for God's sakes. You know, uh, maybe Luis Ortiz would be a good fight for him, but, but B Jarrell Baby Miller, uh, he mouthed his way into, and it just makes me laugh to see the sanctioning bodies have them as high as they do. I mean, this guy fought no one, Sal. Not one fighter is quality that this this bum fought. Well, it's 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 you know you know it's so funny. We haven't heard a word about Luis Ortiz since he fought Deontay Wilder. I mean, Luis Ortiz would be a great fight for for many of these guys that are not fighting for the title right now. And uh, you know, I think they've got to consider that. And after next week. If if uh, Joseph Parker does lose to to Anthony Joshua, I mean Parker's going to be a great uh, great great fight to to make with any one of these guys, uh, Dillian White, uh, uh, Babyface Miller, uh, uh, Baby, Luis Ortiz. I mean Baby. these fights open up fights. Babyface Miller, <laughs> whatever. Well, I don't know. Uh, just a baby. Just call him a baby. He's a baby. A ba baby Miller. Yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking of baby. Yeah. I'm thinking of gangsters. Yeah, no, no, it's not Babyface, <laughs> but uh, and he's a fat pig too. But uh, anyway, my man Mitch says uh, Billy Joe Saunders is injured. Could this be the beginning of a double cross? He says, and by that I mean, could Triple G double cross Canelo or vice versa? The timing seems suspect. The day after Triple G calls Nello and Oscar cheats, uh, putting the fight at risk. I can see Oscar telling Canelo, we don't need Triple G. We'll make more money with or without Triple G. Also, we'll file lawsuits against Triple G and his team for defamation of character. Uh, once, uh, and he's got Bob Bennett, so I'm going to add, uh, once that spineless, gutless piece of garbage, Bob Bennett's uh, so-called investigation exonerates us because, you know, they're paying off Bob Bennett because he's the slime ball. Um, he says, then place a call of Billy Joe Saunders for the fit May 5th date. Remember, hand injury only backed Terrence Crawford up a few weeks for his fight. Saunders was scheduled to fight April 14th. That's a few weeks before May 5th for the hand to feel. The same situation uh, as Crawford and Horn. On the other hand, could Team Triple G have cut a side deal with Billy Joe Saunders to back out with this injury? I don't know, Billy C. I don't like the ring of this, and I don't like the timing of it. And once again, you and Sal keep calling it a coincidence, but less than 10 hours after your show, repeatedly saying Triple G should fight Saunders, Billy Joe Saunders comes up with a phantom hand injury. Team Saunders, Team Triple G, Team Canelo, they're all listening to your show. Trust me. It's no coincidence. Signed, Mitch, a.k.a. Oliver Stone. 
<laughs> he, I love it. He I really, he really it. thinks that they, he, he Mitch, really thinks Mitch, that we you, love you, Mitch. Yeah. I'll tell you. No, we got to Mitch. Else. Mitch is all right, man. Mitch is all right. But um, I, I do. I will tell you this too. I, I, I do have news from the inside that we 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 are listened to by some of those big camps that we discussed. Oh, I, I listen, listen. When Jeremy did his whole thing years ago, and for people that have just stumbled across the show, we're in our fifteenth year. All right, and uh, years ago, when when the whole thing came out with Oscar De La Hoya posing in the in the stockings and dressed like a like a he she or whatever, um, I didn't see that. Oh my god, uh, it was on a cocaine binge night in a hotel room in the city. But anyway, uh, Jeremy was on doing a show uh, with me one day. Uh, we had a studio uh, downstate, and uh, uh, he comes on and starts going off on Oscar and the pictures and, you know, how he examined them and that they were real and blah, 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 blah. And, you know, before long, you know, Oscar had admitted that they were true pictures. But then since then, we were never approved for another credential for for a Golden Boy promotion since then. I've reached out to Golden Boy Many times to to you know try to patch things up or whatever. Even to this day, um, you know they don't leave an open uh, thing. And the truth of the matter is, is that you know I like Oscar De La Hoya. I'm the, one of the guys that say that you know he was a great champion because he fought everybody. This was a he guy that never 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 backed away from a challenge. No, he never and, away. and big challenges too. You know so. Um, yeah, I, I know that uh, they at, listen, at least listened to us at one time, and uh, I, I may still be paying the, the price for that one, thanks to uh, <clears throat> Jeremy C. But you're going to get your chance with Jeremy, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, definitely. Definitely. We're going to get our chance with Jeremy. I definitely. I can't wait to get him in the ring. Well, you you, you, <laughs> you guys got to know what we're talking about. See, Jeremy C. is, you know, he put on a couple of pounds, see? And, yeah. uh, you know, he feels terrible about it. You know me, I'm proud of it, but he's terrible. So, so what did he called me up the other day, and he's like, uh, you know, I just, I just got a heavy bag, I got some gloves, I'm gonna start working out, I'm quitting smoking, and all this. I said, oh great. And two hours later, he said, the gloves came in, and he, uh, he texted me some <laughs> pictures. He goes, he's going, I don't know if they fit, uh, you know, and, and and you know, I'm, I'm like, he doesn't even know how to put the gloves on, you know. So I, it was funny. So one thing led to another, and uh, he starts talking to me. And he says, uh, he says, you know, I'm thinking maybe, maybe I can, uh, you know, get in real good shape, and we could do a a little thing where I can, uh, you know, fight somebody. I said, oh man, I'll put you in with Sal. You know, Sal was dying to fight. Sal, no, I don't want Sal. He said, I don't want Sal to beat the hell out of me. And I said, no, Sal will be fine. I said, you know, I'll be. Are you kidding me? I'll be like a, I'll be like a dancing deer. I'll do, I'll do, I'll do a Floyd Mayweather. I'll be a defensive you we can't have you run we, we can't and I'll, and I'll tap him a little bit we can't have you running all over we're not gonna have a bit no, i'm not gonna run i'm but, not gonna run but, but we I might mean, i mean it'll be i i would take care of jeremy i'll make him look good and i'll i'll definitely uh I'll definitely definitely give him confidence like he could do he but tells I will, you know definitely keep him in his position he tells corner. me him and his wife him and his wife got they each got it they're both going to be working out and they go we're going to spar against each other and he, oh, and he, show, he shows me these gloves 
he gets first of all he didn't get heavy bag gloves he got regular like you know were like sparring gloves for a gym yeah. eight ounce right so i'm going you got eight ounce gloves i i, I go to did, did she get the same one yeah i said you guys are gonna beat the hell out of each other you're gonna be going you're gonna be going you're gonna be i go i go when they're sparring I, I go they're sparring usually 12 ounce gloves i mean you, you can't be sparring with eight ounce gloves i go you're gonna cut each other up man you know and uh uh, anyway, we're going to set up. This is going to be one of our events for our uh, uh, September uh, Billy C. Uh, getaway, uh, September 13, 14, and 15. Email me. And, and, uh, and maybe, and I, I love it. I mean, we almost suggested last time that Marlon Starling and myself will put on a little exhibition. So, you know, I think that would be a real nice thing to do. And uh, I, I, I'd welcome that opportunity. It would be a, a fun little thing. Yeah, well, we got. We're gonna. I'm telling you, we're going to be doing a lot of things. Um, that uh, that weekend, so uh, three days of uh, fun in the sun. All right, we got some fights tonight. Now I'm not gonna for all the affiliates, uh, both radio and TV. We're not taking a break here. Uh, we got some fights tonight, and since we're not doing a live show tomorrow, uh, we are gonna uh, give you our breakdowns and predictions on the heavyweight fight that we're gonna get to watch on Saturday between Dillian White and Lucas Brown. Uh, first fight I wanted to talk about tonight. I'm only gonna talk about the two fights. Uh, uh, Keandre Gibson. Uh, he's ranked at number uh, 61 at the uh, uh, junior uh, uh, welterweight uh, division. He's 28 uh, years old. He's an orthodox fighter, five foot ten, 73 inch reach. Adam Mazzara. His record 18 and one with a draw. Of his 18 wins, he's got seven by knockout. Of his only loss, um, he got knocked out against Antonio Orozco uh, when he was fighting. Uh, uh, really, in my opinion, his first big fight for his first title it was a regional uh, uh nabc uh title and uh a vacant uh, usmbc title and that was his only loss he's had 113 rounds as a pro with a 35 percent knockout ratio um he was a promising guy now ranked at number 61 in the world by the computer when i look at his record um i see uh, really throughout uh, his uh you know uh, 20 professional fights I give him credit for three fights, and uh, actually four fights, but he lost the one against Orozco. Uh, he beat Jorge Romano in 2015, uh, and he also beat uh, Mashanri uh, Montes uh, in November of 2016. Uh, Montes was 32-5, uh, and five, uh, won a decision on him. Now, his last fight, he won a close majority decision over Alejandro Barrera. It was a 10-round fight. He won a majority decision in October of last year uh, out in Vegas. Uh, it was a good win that catapulted him into this fight. Now, he's taken on Eddie Gomez. Eddie Gomez is ranked number 153 uh, in the uh, uh, welterweight division. Um, so, you know, he's uh, by weight a bigger guy, but by height, uh, he's given up three inches because uh, Eddie Gomez is five foot seven. He's 25 years old, uh, 20 wins, 11 by knockout, three losses in which he was only stopped uh, one time. Very similar with the amount of rounds he fought as uh, Gibson. Uh, Gomez has 117 rounds under his belt, where Gibson had uh, 113. When I look at Eddie Gomez, you know, he had five. When you go back to 2012, up uh, through. Uh, uh, 2014, he had a string of fights, five in a row, that really put him in the discussion. Um, Luis Hernandez, uh, he beat uh, John Vey, Javier Gomez, Luis Hernandez again, Steve Upshaw Chambers, 
and uh, Daquan Arnett. Uh, and uh, they were all uh, good fights against good opponents at the time that he won. Then he stepped in with Francisco Santana and uh, lost. It set him back for a little while, but uh, he uh, uh, got back on the winning track. I got to see him ringside for a couple of fights, Jonathan Batista uh, and uh, Rashid, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Dennis uh, uh, Duarte. Uh, I was ringside for, but he lost to John Carl Salsa. I'm sorry, uh, uh, Rashid Ellis uh, when he had his uh, shot at a uh, uh, regional title. And he came back with two fights. The one I saw at Turning Stone was not exciting. He went the distance with Doughty. Uh, but in his last fight, he lost a close fight with Alejandro Barrera, the same Alejandro Barrera that Keandre Gibson won in a close 10-round uh, fight. So they're both coming off of uh, fighting the same opponent. How do I think this? Oh, and by the way, Eddie Gomez ranked 153 at welterweight. How do I see this fight going? Well, you know, Keandre Gibson is, is more of a boxer. And I think that Eddie Gomez, because he's given up three inches in height and, and reach, um, I think that um, you know his, his game plan is, is going to be limited. He's going to try to get underneath the jab. He's going to try to get in. He's going to try to work the body. He's going to try for a knockout is what he's got to try. Um, Gibson has a great opportunity uh, tonight to uh, get his career back in the direction he wants it to be. And uh, I think he's gonna. Uh, I think he's gonna outbox uh, Eddie Gomez. Eddie Gomez is an exciting fighter. Uh, Gibson, not so much. But I'm picking Gibson tonight uh, with a uh, with a unanimous decision win. Um, how do you feel about this fight, brother? Well, I see some of the things that you just covered very much in detail and very well. Uh, I do feel that Gibson. You know, he's got to. Uh, really uh make a statement tonight and i think he's going to want to try to really uh both fighters really do to keep on a positive track but i think gibson's going to rise to the occasion i think he's going to be able to outbox gomez and uh offset him and, and surprise him and i do see him winning a decision as well uh, the next fight that uh, i wanted to talk about is on the same card and uh what a, what a great young prospect in ryan garcia um if you've never seen this kid if you punch him up and look at, even if you punch him up a box truck and you look at his photo, he looks like he's 12. And he's not too far away from 12 because he's only 19. Uh, he's 19 <laughs> years old, uh, out of California. He's 5'10 in the super featherweight division. The computer already has him ranked at number 57. He's only got 13 fights under his belt. He's 13-0 and with 12 of those wins coming by knockout. Um, he... Uh, uh, had a very successful amateur career, 215 wins and only 15 losses. His last four opponents, all very good ones, man, experienced good fighters. I mean, going back to uh, uh, Marco Antonio Macias, uh, knocked him out in the first round. Macias, uh, experienced fighter, 28 and 21, but an experienced fighter for a kid like this. But then he's totally, in his last three, he's totally uh, stepped it up 10 and 2 uh, Michael uh, Carrizoga knocked him out in uh, one round of scheduled eight uh, Caesar Allen Venezuela 14 and 5 with a draw knocked him out in three and uh, in his last fight well, you can make the argument that he's fighting the best fighter of his uh, of his career at that point uh, no Martinez uh, Reguza from uh, December of last year knocked uh, won a uh, stopped him in the final uh, eighth round 
uh, in Canada. It was a scheduled eight rounder, and he uh, stopped them in the eighth round. So he uh, knows how to finish uh, uh, a uh, a fight. Now he steps in with a very experienced fighter in Fernando Vargas. Uh, not oh, that, yeah. not oh, that, yeah. not that Fernando Vargas. Um, this guy uh, is ranked at number 141 uh, in the uh, super featherweight division. Um, he's uh, although he's got a, a pretty uh, packed record: 32 wins, 21 coming by knockout, 13 losses, with only four uh, by stoppage and three draws. 233 rounds uh, against uh, Garcia's 30. You heard that right. He's got over 200 rounds more of ring experience. He's still only 29 years old. He's also a former world title challenger. Um, you know, when he fought, uh, he fought Jamie McDonald for the uh, uh, world uh, title. He's fought some tough guys throughout his career. Uh, his last uh, f- uh, two fights, he's lost uh, Horatio Garcia and uh, Beckman Solima Bay, uh, uh, respectively, the last two fights, uh, both uh, decision losses. Uh, the Garcia fight was a majority eight-round decision, and uh, the Solomon Bayer uh, fight was a 10-round uh, unanimous decision loss. The bottom line with Fernando Vargas, Sal, is he's a tough, tough opponent. Um, and I think it's going to be a great test for Ryan Garcia. My official pick, I love this kid. Ryan Garcia uh, is uh, going to win that one. What's your thoughts? Well, you, uh, you again, you mapped it out beautifully and uh it's it's easy to see why ryan garcia is definitely the a side in this fight and i'll tell you what though vargas is not an easy win uh he is a tested proven opponent and uh he's dangerous he he can uh, definitely rise the occasion but i do see with the experience that uh, ryan garcia brings to the table into the professional ranks i mean he's had a stellar amateur career as you pointed out and anybody with over 100 fights, let alone 215 wins, uh, has a world of experience going into the pros, even though it's a different level. Um, I do see Ryan Garcia uh, showcasing this fight and being a, a great stepping stone again for him. And I do see him beating Fernando Vargas. That kid, Ryan Garcia, 230 amateur fights total, 215, 215 wins, 15 losses, right? He's 19. I mean, to I mean, get this that, kid to, must have been fighting out of diapers. Or, I, I, that's or, what I'm saying. I, I, he's 19. To fight 230 amateur fights at 19 years old, um, not only was he fighting at a young age competitively, but he must have been fighting every weekend. And in the amateur days, you know, you do that. I mean, uh, let me tell you, uh, Friday nights, I'd get out of high school, and uh, I'd go to my trainer in Dumont, Eddie Helbig. We'd load up the bus with Jerry Palmieri. Matthew McCrudden, uh, some of these guys, and we'd go down where, where they, were, they were having the big fights. And uh, you'd see the amateurs there going back to the days of Bobby Chez, uh, Scott Frank, Nino Gonzalez. We were all there in the amateur ranks right there together. And we'd be fighting every Friday night. And it depends how you did that night. If you got if you got uh, unscathed and you weren't cut or bruised or, or, or uh, uh, hurt a hand or something, you were right back into the mix the following Friday night. So yeah, you can you can and in the Golden Gloves in any tournament, you do it on a weekly basis. You're fighting till the end of the tournament. Um, the next fight that we're going to do is the big fight for this weekend. It's a heavyweight fight between Dillian White and Lucas Brown. Uh, there's a lot of uh, ramifications for this fight, uh, specifically for the winner, um, and you know where they move on. There's rumor about Dillian White uh, uh, if he should get by this fight. 
uh, possibly fighting uh, Deontay Wilder, which I would never, if Deontay was my guy, I would say forget about that. Uh, or you might even see uh, him get in there with AJ. Um, or uh, the loser of this fight uh, end up with, with an opportunity. This, this fight is a good fight between, we were just talking about how the heavyweight division would start to take shape if we ended up with either AJ or Deontay Wilder becoming the undisputed uh, world heavyweight champion because you'd get to see a lot of really good fights from heavyweights trying to earn that spot to challenge the undisputed heavyweight champ. Leading up to this fight, uh, you know how a lot of times people will say, you know, the fighters will say, oh, I'm going to do this, I can't stand this guy. Well, for all intent and purposes, Lucas Brown and Dillian White actually can't stand each other. Um, Dillian White uh, has talked some smack, and Lucas Brown hasn't stopped talking smack. Um, but here's the thing. Uh, Lucas Brown had failed not one but two performance-enhancing drug tests in 2016. He was a former world champion. Uh, he was the WBA champ uh, when he beat Ruslan Shigaev in Russia. And then Ruslan Shigaev, right after that fight, they come up with some kind of test that he failed. Uh, it was uh, determined that uh, he might have been slipped uh, some of this, and they gave him a chance. But then all of a sudden, eight months later, he tested positive again for another substance uh, when he was supposed to fight Shannon Briggs, uh, and then that fight was uh, was canceled. Uh, you know, he says that, uh, you know, he wants to, uh, you know, get a lie detector test and blah, 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 blah. Um, but, uh, but the bottom line is, uh, you know, it is what it is. The one thing that he did say in a lot of his comments recently is that he feels that Dillian White is nothing more than a new version of Derek Chisora. Now, if you know what he means by that, Derek Chisora is a game fighter. He's fought some big names in the sport. But he's kind of a brawler. He's not exactly uh, a a refined fighter. Now, Dillian White, um, you know, uh, well, let's let's talk about Lucas Brown first. We're we're in the middle of talking to him. I don't know why I mentioned Dillian White, but Lucas Brown, former WBA regular world heavyweight champion, currently ranked in the heavyweight division at number fifteen. He's six foot five uh, with a seventy-seven inch reach. He's thirty-eight years old. He's undefeated. He's he's yet to lose. And by the way. The, the interesting thing in Lucas Brown's uh, uh, defense is that although he tested positive, when both um, times when they were, uh, you know, uh, looked into, when it was investigated, neither one of the fights, uh, well, the second time the fight never happened, but the fight uh, against Ruslan Shigaev, the result was never changed. A lot of times if they determine that there was some shenanigans going on, they'll change the result to a no contest. That never happened. Uh, with Lucas Brown, but the WBA stripped him anyway. Um, he's, uh, like I said, number 15 in the heavyweight division by the computer, 25-0 and 0 with 22 knockouts, 88% uh, knockout ratio. He has 117 rounds under his belt. Some notable wins uh, that he had. Obviously, his biggest, best win was against Ruslan Shigaev. Uh, also, uh, earlier in his career, he had a kind of a domestic... Uh, fight with Richard Towers, who was, they were both moving up at the same time. Richard Towers was a tall guy. They were actually friends, gym partners, and uh, he stopped uh, Rich Towers. He also has wins over James Tony, even though Tony was old, uh, and, you know, went the distance with Tony. Travis Walker at one time was a, a good contender. Now he's just a punching bag. He, he has a win over him. 
uh, Chauncey Welliver uh, at one time was a, a top uh, contender. Now he's just a punching bag. So I mean, you, you see the uh, uh, you see the, the 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 trace here of of the same stuff. Now his last fight took place in June of last year against Matthew Greer, a professional punching bag uh, who was knocked out in two rounds. Lucas Brown does possess uh, some punching power. Um, not too great. He's not fleet of foot. Uh, now he steps in the ring with uh, Dillian White, who you could make the argument is a similar fighter, much younger, almost ten years younger at twenty nine, uh, just about the same height at six foot four, and he actually has a one inch uh, reach advantage at seventy eight inches. Uh, he's uh, only been beaten once. He's twenty two and one with sixteen knockouts, and his loss he was stopped, but. He was stopped by Anthony Joshua. He challenged for the world title and was knocked out by Anthony Joshua uh, in the seventh round uh, in 2015. Now, the, the score on that fight was that he rocked A.J. pretty seriously um, in the sixth round. A.J. was able to uh, recover and then came back and knocked out Dillian White in the seventh round. Sounded pretty uh, familiar to the Klitschko fight. Oh, yeah. Um, he's got some... Uh, Really good wins uh, under his belt. Uh, Robert Herlinas uh, was a decent fighter. Derek Chisora, I'm going to give him credit for because Chisora is a tough guy, and uh, he won a close uh, a fight. David Allen was an undefeated fighter moving up, uh, beat him. Uh, you know, the Anthony Joshua fight was a loss, but Brian Minto, tough guy, knocked out Brian Minto. And, and you know, um, I, the bottom line, he's ranked number nine in the world. I, I love this matchup, Sal, because... I really believe that it's even. Um, but in this particular fight, I'm picking Dillian White. He's the hometown guy. Um, he's uh, got a lot to gain by winning this fight. Uh, certainly, he's not going to take Lucas Brown lightly. But I'm pick predicting Dillian White to win this fight. It's going to be an entertaining fight. And I, I, you know, I would not be surprised if Lucas Brown knocks out Dillian White. But I'm officially picking Dillian White to win this fight. Um, it may go the distance. It may not. That I can't predict. But uh, it has the makings of, uh, of an exciting fight. What's your thoughts? It does. It does. And Lucas Brown definitely, uh, you know, he's, he's, uh, he's up there. He's got to make a break right now. So he's got a lot of incentive to continue his winning path and, and, and not uh, lose his fight to Dillian White. Dillian White, as uh, as you said, he uh, only has one defeat, and that's to the world champion, uh, um, Anthony Joshua. So Dillian White's going to want to get back on top and, and uh, be continuing his forward path uh, to get a re, uh, re, re shot at the title. Um, so the, both of these fighters have the incentive to win. Uh, which one's going to be the one to deliver? Uh, as you suggested, I think Lucas Brown... Uh, I could see him uh, stopping uh, Dillian White, catching him. But uh, Dillian White, I, I think he's going to show the fortitude. I think he's going to show uh, the, the, the heart and desire. And I, I think Dillian White will, uh, will win this fight as well, Bill. Hey, uh, I just want to uh, give a shout-out. My man, Johnston. He just uh, he just did a super chat, my man Johnston Brown. Right. Check out check out his uh, column up on BillyCBoxing.com. You know, I, Johnston he, he's he's actually helped us a lot today, and he's helping yes, us he even has. more. So he's he's my main man. But you know, putting all that aside, I don't know how many more accolades I can give my man Johnston. Well, I will tell you this: go go read his column up on BillyCBoxing.com. He just uh, he helped us out with a super chat right now. Um, but 
You know what I love about England, Sal? They have all these things. It's like all this stuff we don't. Have. I'm gutted. You know that means I'm I'm I know, upset, all right? These things. Well, I well, know, he it's, he it's writes great. he he writes in his super chat. Here you go. Here you go. Uh, make sure. Let me make sure I get it. He goes. Here you go, Billy C. Here's a couple of uh, quid. Here's a couple of quid for you. The hell is a quid? Does that swim in the ocean? You know, I mean, doesn't quids? Don't you use them for bait? I mean, I, don't don't yeah. Uh, I mean, what is it? Oh, oh that's a squid. squid. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Okay. But Put uh, the ass in front of it. but that's funny. That's funny. <laughs> My man show. Johnston. Uh, <laughs> listen, boys and girls. Just a programming note. We will not be here uh, tomorrow. Uh, I apologize for not giving you guys more of a heads up, but I'm giving you plenty of heads up time uh, to make arrangements right now for our next uh, big Billy C. Uh, boxing get together, September 13th, 14th, 15th. Uh, will be uh, taking place at the Sea Palms Resort and Sal's Neighborhood Pizzeria and uh, also the Pier uh, in St. Simon's when we do our little fishing tournament. So we're going to have a fishing tournament, a golf tournament, a meet and greet, a fight night. Uh, we'll crash Sal's for some dinner, maybe even make him uh, open up early for us to have a breakfast pizza together. He keeps promising me. You know, we'll do some really good stuff. We might even have Sal uh, beating a snot out of Jeremy, and him and Marlon <laughs> Starling will spar a little bit. We might take uh, people from the audience. I mean, we'll do like the old style, like uh, they used to do in the circus. We'll give any man uh, five bucks if they could keep if they could keep Sal uh, at bay or something like that. But uh, uh, it's going to be a great time and. Uh, uh, it's uh, there's a lot of we're not going to include hotel accommodations. We're going back and forth. The reason is because there's so many options for you in the uh, Golden Isle area, not just on St. Simons, but uh, Sea Island and, and Jekyll Island as well. And Brunswick, there's so many different hotels that you can go and get a deal. So depending upon who you're bringing and who's traveling, and your budget. you know, and your budget, you know, you guys stay where you want. But we're going to have uh, a package together that will include the meet and greet. Uh, the golf tournament, the fishing tournament, and uh, breakfast pizza at Sal's. And uh, you got to have a ticket to get in. This one will be ticket only. Uh, so uh, if you're interested, drop me an email. I'll get you all the info. Uh, Billy at Talkin Boxing, T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G.com. And I want to make another announcement. And Sal's going to be hearing this for the first time. We just signed a deal, uh, a partner of mine that uh, we've promoted fights together in uh, the state of Florida has just been uh, granted his promoter's license in the state of Georgia. So look oh. for a professional boxing event that Sal and I will be broadcasting um, from the St. Simons area. Now, it might be St. Simons. It might be on Jekyll. I don't know. Uh, but that will be coming in the near future. So I don't know if it's going to be. That's uh, exciting. Before, yeah. So uh, we'll have to uh, get all of the things, uh, all of our ducks in a row. I need you to get Joseph to give me a call, by the way. But uh, Yes, I'll, I'll uh, do that. I'll in any event. Today. In any event, listen, boys and girls, enjoy the fights uh, tonight and also Saturday night, uh, the big heavyweight fight, which will be on uh, um, Showtime. So uh, all I can say is this. Have a great weekend. Be safe. Be sound. And uh, make sure you tune in Monday morning, same bat time, same bat channel. Until then, I'll leave you with this. Ciao, baby.